Hey, everybody! It is Yasser! I forgot my line. I'm just kidding. It's Isaiah! (laughs) (laughs) Uh, We are from my brother Sneaker, and we've got a little announcement. We are teaming up with a podcast app called Spoke to give you three exclusive uh, episodes. Uh, Spoke is a new audio platform made by SiriusXM that creates podcast playlists to help you find new shows to listen to. The Spoke team handpicks the best moment from a ton of podcasts and creates playlist clips from a bunch of shows. And you can just search and try them out and find anything that you love. For instance... Oh, yeah. There's a playlist on there uh, called Slice of Life, which is all about like crazy and incredible things that happen to everyday people. Like, I just learned this, bro. I just learned some people pay their bills on time, dog. Oh, is that a thing? Dog, people will have a bill due date, and they will pay that bill before then. That's crazy to me. Before then. You know what else is crazy? What? Spook also has a, a lot of fun, exclusive content from Feral Audio. Yeah. Um, it's just, you know, like our tournament episodes are going to be, oh, like, yeah. you know, there's going to be stuff like Sleep With Me, a lot of our, our other great shows here at Feral. You don't want to miss it. Yep. Download Spoke now. It's free in the App Store or on Google Play. And be sure to check out all of my brother's sneakers exclusive Spoke episodes at hearspoke.com slash my brother's sneakers. Model boys, cute boys, round butt boys all day. Guys, I want to tell you about a great sponsor I have, Bompus. They're premium high-performance athletic socks, and they're so comfortable you're never going to want to take them off. And because socks are the number one requested item in homeless shelters, for every pair of socks purchased, Bompus donates one pair of those to those in need. Almost one million pairs donated to date. 15% off the first purchase of four or more socks, plus free shipping. So go to getbompus.com slash feral. And buy some comfortable socks. Hello, and welcome to Conversations with Matt Dwyer. I'm Matt Dwyer. If you like the song playing, that's by a band called Les Blanks. You can listen to more of them at lesblanks.com. Enjoy. If you haven't listened to the show before, it is just what the uh, title there implies. It's a conversation with me, this guy, Matt Dwyer. Um, and I usually talk to some uh, someone a lot more interesting than me and really cool. Today, I speak with uh, a very fascinating fellow. And I would go as far as to say he's a visionary. It's Dustin Marshall, and he started Feral Audio. And he produces a show. And um, he's a smart dude because... I never started a fucking network of anything. Um, It's also great because later on in the show, you'll hear me get really, really nasally stuffy. Like, to a level you wouldn't believe. Like, it sounds like um, cartoon, sitcom, nerd stuffy. And uh, (laughs) it's because I have allergies. I have really bad allergies. I'm allergic to everything. And if you're... Folks, if you're out there and you're living in other parts of the world... The best thing you could do is if you have allergies is move to Los Angeles because shit blooms all the time. There's filthy air. Um, it's the worst place. And you know what else you can do? Get uh, um, When you're in your mother's womb, make sure she smokes cigarettes because that's what my mother did. Um, and openly. And I think, But I think like everybody who was ever born in uh, like the... F- who was a baby born between the 50s and the 70s 
you probably were the victim of like a smoking mother and fetal alcohol syndrome. Because I'm sure my mom was like, she's not going to have a cigarette and not drink a vodka tonic. You know, just a couple is what she said to me when I asked her about it. She's like, oh, I just, you know, I smoked a little and had a couple drinks. Um, Which is just really starting off that (laughs) maternal vibe really well. You know, just be a bad mother before the baby's even out. Just really send the message out that you're not going to care about your baby before it's even a baby. That's what uh, that's what that was. Um all right, I I uh I'm going to get on with the show. I'm very stuffy still. Still a lot of allergies. Uh but here here's a great conversation with Dustin Marshall. <laughs> Yeah, I should probably brief you on how my show goes, since you've heard all 98 of them. <laughs> <laughs> I know every beat. But uh, uh, it's a lot different when you're sitting here, actually. I forgot what your place looks like. It's a lot more magical. Yeah. You have a, uh, Dwyer has this really... It's like full of antique, just cool... It's like how I want my apartment to look. It just looks like lived in. He's got really good taste in everything. But you know what? I it, A lot of this I had nothing to do with. <laughs> really? <laughs> I didn't paint these walls. I subletted this apartment. Um, Kelly bought the table. I have good taste. I will, I will yeah, well, taste. no, just like I, in general, it's like really jazzy music when you walk in. You've True. got all the amenities, espresso, vodka. I think I wonder if when people listen to the show, though, if they... Because uh, I think sometimes I paint such a picture of myself being a, a weirdo that they probably are just like, oh, this guy lives in squalor. <laughs> not that I mean I live in a studio. And I mean, it's I'm not in- saying you don't. <laughs> <laughs> this is... Uh, I tidied up and it's still pretty dirty. I love it. But I'm glad we're talking about me instead of my guest for a ch- just as a change of pace. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for having me on. Uh, no, it's actually something I've wanted to have f- the whole time. And it's weird because I, I didn't know you before we started doing these things. No. And uh, I love, I lo- I'd love to tell the story how we met, actually. But we should, I guess, pre- preface who, who I am, what, what, <laughs> why you're hearing me talk. <laughs> or we could just uh, have people uh, write in and guess, and then maybe they win a prize like the old... Uh, who, who is it anyway show from the 50s? Oh, man. That's a little before my time. <laughs> How old are you again? How old are you again? <laughs> I'm 45, and I'm already concerned about being 46, and I just turned 45. When is your birthday? <laughs> November 19th. Oh, yeah. That's right. You wish to be a happy birthday. That's right. That's right. I don't remember. Yeah, I don't like my birthday. I don't like birthdays. Yeah, it gets... You know, actually, the cooling, the only good thing about Facebook, and it's... it. it I don't. I don't know what it is, but... I don't really care. You know, my f- perfect birthday is just sitting at home, not having to work and just having a day off and just, just sitting at home. But like, uh, the cool thing about Facebook is like all these people just say nice things. It's not, it's just nice to like check your things. Like 40 people are wishing you a happy birthday. It's like a nice day. To, everybody deserves a day. Yeah. And I actually, and cause there's people who follow me on Facebook and I'm like, I don't know who you are, but I'm going to wish you a happy birthday. Cause it's just cool to be like, I got 50-something happy birthdays. <laughs> it is. It's like a role-playing game. It's like leveling up every year. But and soon Facebook will probably start charging people. It's just a, all it is to me is a happy birthday <laughs> generator. That's all it is. It's the only thing I use it for. Don't keep into Yeah. I guess it's worth it for that. But you, how do, and you, of course, you produce this podcast and you created Feral Audio, which I have yeah. said numerous times, and I'm not kidding you. Probably, I would say, saved my life and definitely 
because I was pretty fucking depressed, and I was like, I don't know what I'm doing next. Yeah, you were here from. You were one of our premiere shows, one of the five, and you're the mo- the mo- one I was the most excited about to tell you the truth because like the vein of when we started. Well, so I uh, I'm the, I moved here from Wisconsin like almost three years, like two and a half years ago to work for a podcasting network called Earwolf. Did you and you came? Did you come to from Madison? By the way, one, yeah, one Madison, of the Wisconsin. Cities, but did you come with the job or did you come here? So I was like this, you know, when I was younger, I was this sort of like this fuck up, um, dropped out of high school, get one of those chartered program, uh, survived like this weird upbringing, and then just ended up just totally displaced and with no money and like had to work my way. Like I was working at like McDonald's and grocery stores and just like living like. I don't know. I got kicked out of the day. Like I turned 18. So I was like couch surfing for a while. And then you I got just kicked ca- out of your home. Yeah. Yeah. And so I, I, I was in a band that fell apart. Like I came from a music background, but I started messing around with like recording our, I, I, I bought like an old Fostex. It's like actually the first digital, digital recorder that was ever made. It's from 1992. It's like this big, heavy duty, loud 12 track, Thing it holds twelve minutes and forty seven seconds of audio, but it's like the first digital recorder. So when I was seventeen for my birthday, my mom got me a used one, and I just started track recording our band and like doing demos and stuff. So I always like liked audio, but I got into it for like a music thing. And but um, before even music, I was a huge comedy fan. Like comedians to me were always like bands. So um, since I was like ten years old, I was obsessed with like Mr. Show, Mystery Science Theater and like Conan O'Brien. <coughs> and so um, when I decided to sort of got, got my life a little bit together in my 20s, because I used to be like a really negative, angry person, and then I just sort of like in my early 20s started calming down a bit, <clears throat> decided to go to college and like try to get a real job so I just wouldn't have to work with food. <laughs> and I started going to Chicago and I, cause I was a huge fan of UCB and I would just like study like the UCB LA schedule. And I was just like obsessed with it was pre YouTube. So you couldn't watch anything that was happening there. So you, I would just read about it all the time. And I was just getting more when I was 19 or 20, like more into comedy than ever. And like the Mr. Show DVDs were coming out. And so I was taking like, um, the DVD commentaries from the Mr. Show DVDs because I didn't have anywhere to live. So I was living out of my bag. So I had these DVDs. And if I was crashing at like someone's house or like sneaking into my parents' house to try to sleep there for the night, I would just go to like a DVD player, like a PlayStation. I would just watch these DVDs, like the commentaries, like over and over every night for like years. And it was really, comedy was like, I was getting really excited about it because I, I was like kind of like post this. I was in this band in high school. We were really good. Um, and I always wanted to be like, you know, a musician, but I was never really, I was always more interested in like the, how stuff worked than at practicing. So I was always like, never that good. <laughs> um, so I, I, re, I maxed out like my musical abilities, but I got really obsessed with recordings. And then I got my, I wanted to go to school for electronics because um, I was just, I was, my, when my stuff blew up, I wanted to fix it on my own. And I just got like obsessed with like, how does this Getting even work? Yeah. yeah. So. In, like, 2009, I started going to shows or whatever. Like, 2009, I went to the Just for Laughs Festival. Oh, you should, okay. In uh, Chicago. I drove to Chicago, and then I met... Um, I went to see two shows. It was the TV Funhouse original pilot airing with Robert Smigel and Dino Stamatopoulos, and then another show that D- Bob Odenkirk and David Cross were doing. So I went down there, and um, for, I, I drove down to Chicago. I borrowed my little sister's car, and I got out, and I'm like, let me check out the theater. 
And then I walked up the street, and that's when I met David Cross for the first time. Just on the street? On the street. And I just was so nervous. You know, it was like, I've put so... Because, you know, my first podcast experience was like, I would just... I lifted the audio from the D- Mr. Show audio, like DVDs, like the commentaries, and I would just walk around on an iPod and just listen to them. So it was kind of like weird sort of like pre-podcast thing I was doing. It's also very punk. <laughs> yeah, like, I guess so. Because it's very like, I'm going to fucking take this and do it myself. It's yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm a total DIY punk. It's all, Even when we were in bands or like audio, it was always just Radio Shack shit like hobbled together. My whole thing is like as big of a sound as possible with as cheap as possible stuff. Because like um, we didn't and we didn't come for money or whatever. So it's like we go to like rich kids' house who like have you know two thousand dollar Gibson guitars or whatever. And we had just had these little like I I, I hacked my Stratocaster and I turned it into a synthesizer <laughs> and like <laughs> and um, that's awesome. Yeah, we would. How do you even do that though? My <laughs> friend Sean, who I just saw the the other night and for the first time in five years, was like. You know, we were kind of came from very similar backgrounds, and like he had like a learning disability, and so I'd be in high school, and like I'd walk through like my first year at high school before dropped out. Me and him ended up in the same like charter program for like you know truants and fuck ups. It's kind of like art school, like daycare for bad high school kids. Yeah, because I don't know what charter is. A charter school is like um, instead of your GED, basically in Madison, which is the most liberal town like in the United States. Um, they would just make these, like, my school, first it was above a fried chicken shack. So when I was in high school, I was getting, like, I was this weird art kid in this suburb outside of Madison. And um, there's these, it's just crazy rednecks, really small town. The teachers hated me. Uh, all of the guys there, they threatened me. Um, I got death threats, so they called my house saying they were going to, like, drive their pickup trucks through my house and rape my sisters and crucify me on a picket fence. And, and the teachers were like, leaving anonymous messages um, on my answering machine saying that they were like, I was a child molester and that I was saying a, you were. Yeah. And I was a heroin addict and um, they thought I was going to bring a gun into school. So I like rebelled pretty hard and like was just kind of this weird art goth kid. And, you know, and I had two friends and we started this band and we were just very def- total punks, like um, ended up going to this charter program. I dropped out my sophomore year and we started going to Chicago a lot and going to music and comedy shows. And then, um, my friend Sean and I, uh, he was like this, you know, outdoorsy, comes from like a super gummo, like white trash kind of background. <laughs> like I just saw him the other day and I was like, what happened to your dad? He goes, oh, I, he disappeared and I, I tracked him down in Mexico. He's a meth head and he told me I'm not his, my, my, not my real father. Jesus Christ. Really crazy shit. And uh, he turned a Nintendo, like a Nintendo NES system. Like, they thought he was retarded. Like, I walked by this. He'd be in a class with, like, kids with, like, Down syndrome. And I'd be like, what are you doing? He's like, hey, just getting my diploma. They think I'm retarded. They don't know. And, be, and this kid was, like, uh, a genius with electronics. Like, like a savant with electronics. And so when you're we in high school, we would take, like, little kids' toys, like um, keyboards, like Sesame Street toys and stuff, and we would circuit bend them and, like, swap resistors out and mess with them, make them warp them and weird, and we'd play with them. And, um, and then he turned to Nintendo built an analog synthesizer, like a modular synthesizer from scratch. And I was just blown away by this. And I was like, I want to do this. And there's this band Manor Astroman that I really like that um, build Tesla coils and theremins and stuff. And so I started working in my 20s all my way up to uh, get my degree in electronics. Because I just wanted to basically, before I moved to do like a podcasting collective, I wanted to actually do an electronics collective, which 
there's a scene of like so as digital is becoming the thing like analog synthesizers is, is an art form it's lost art form of like you know i love building i hate programming but i love building electronics and i love dirty synth sounds so it's this lot lost art form that's being carried on the internet right now um I would check out musicfromouterspace.com and, and, and stuff and point to a lot of like DIY kits that people are doing. And so <clears throat> I was going to start a cooperative where I started working with all these electronics guys when I was going to college and they were all making guitar pedals and amps and guitars and all this shit. And I was like, well, why don't we all pitch in for rent? Everybody gets their own little area and um, <clears throat> you can sell your wares and you can have your own website and we all pitch in. And then I wanted to like get a grant and like teach kids how to make simple electronics because like especially in this day and age, I think the, the sooner you equip kids with electronics know-how, they can even compete with the world market of like what's going on in China <laughs> and Korea and shit. So uh, getting really into like electronics and yeah, we were just DIY cyberpunks basically, you know, and like um, we were in this really rough neighborhood in Madison, these weird white kids. So it was like, I was getting harassed by like rednecks and all these upper middle class, like white, and they threw me in this like, really hard neighborhood with like really hardcore black guys and i did it was like you know out of the frying pan into the frying pan and then um just after high school it was, it was aimless just didn't have it i was no i didn't wasn't anybody all my friends moved away i had I, what, what, why do you say you weren't anybody i just didn't do anything i didn't do music anymore i just worked at like a grocery grocery store i was unemployed for a while but i was like getting more and more into comedy like just it, I was so depressed and like unemployed or whatever. I just like was consuming it like crazy, and then YouTube started happening, and so I was seeing all the shit that I was like would read about, like all these sketches and weird stuff that would get leaked, like um, you know, Dino Stamatopoulos and Andy Dix, like hope first videos and stuff like that. I used to go see those guys <clears throat> play at a place called the Roxy in Chicago. That's it amazing. Was, and like I would see them every week. They had a two man show. My friend Norm Holly directed it, and I was like. I was kind of going the beaten path of comedy, like, oh, you do this, you do that. And then I saw those guys, and I was like, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> like, it was earth-shattering. Yeah. I don't think people and you know, people associate Andy Dick with sort of negative things, and I don't think people realize how fucking brilliant. Brilliant, brilliant. One of my favorite, in the Andy Dick show, is one of my favorite <laughs> sketch shows of all time. Brilliant, brilliant comedian. And wild human being, like, really out there on the fringe. Like, a, I would say, a bubblegum gg allen esque type (laughs) on the fringe like like a a great analogy yeah like uh he really is he's he's one of the he's just doesn't live in our he doesn't subscribe to our status quo and he's 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 a tornado of an awesome human being so this weird i don't know um transition in my life where i was just you know just aimless post weird uh abusive childhood punk kid thrown into his 20s and then um just started con- and then youtube started having consuming comedy and art like through my well, computer in wisconsin and like you know and like going down to chicago and just, like, i was just obsessed with like consuming stuff and um so i guess when i was like god it was 2009 and i went to just for laughs and i went and saw dino and robert smigel and then after the show i waited around you know and like I would my trick to not getting mugged anymore in Chicago is to just dress like. <laughs> Had you been mugged? Yeah, I've been mugged a few times. You know, this podcast ends with you getting mugged. That's my new hope <laughs> to this show. <laughs> well, I now I know now I know how to not get mugged. If you see, if you see two guys walking at you and one of them runs across the street, 
run the other way and also just oh that's it yeah because they if you ditch if you run the other guy's gonna get you yeah or we could just after the podcast we could just go mug somebody since there's two of us yeah i know how to do it now (laughs) it's it's apparently easy i have a bat then you'll they'll never catch them it's easy to do so uh i was dressed in like torn jeans and a skull t-shirt and i I had a sewn together smash like a homemade smashing pumpkins hoodie so i just blend in how old were you again i was like 22 or three and um, I met Dino. I, Dino's family was reuniting with his family out back, and then he walked away for a second. I'm like, Dino, I hate to bother you. I know you don't like perform out. Cause I'm like the biggest Mr. Show nerd ever. Like, my parents stole HBO, and when I was like 10 years old, I accidentally was trying to watch Real Sex Friday night, and I saw <laughs> Mr. Show, and it blew my. I learned what a blowjob was from Bob Odenkirk in a sketch. Like, I, it was How like, what is that? Because you were trying to watch Real Sex. And I know. <laughs> so I was like. Mr. Show, like, was taking LSD for me. That was my first, like, psychedelic, like, just my, felt my brain, I felt like a comb go through my brain. I was just like, whoa, this is intense. I feel really good about this. And so I met, so Dino was this figure in my life because I saw him on Conan, and I, I saw him on the Dana Carvey show, and I was like, he was like this weird beacon to me. And so um, how I found out about the show was the first, I was a big fan of, like, Love Lion. And then Adam Carolla, like, I never heard his L.A. show, but he started this thing, like, a podcast. And so Dino on his MySpace said, uh, I'm on Adam Carolla's podcast. So I downloaded my first podcast. What, what, what year is that, roughly? 2009. Okay. Oh, you said that, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. I'm well, I'm asshole. jumping all over, but no. <laughs> no, no, because I'm – because <clears> – excuse me. I don't know – I don't know, like, you would know the timeline of podcasts. It's like I, I sort of stumbled into it. Pre, when I was doing a show with Bronger, and it was so it's like, I, and I didn't even know that was like a thing. It was just like, oh, okay, we'll put this on the internet. There's, I didn't know there was a genre. There's like two worlds of podcasting. There's the tech world of podcasting, which is really what it birthed from, which is far bigger than the comedy world. It's like the numbers are the, the tech tech podcasting is like you're talking about the year two thousand two thousand one, and I think, um, and that's that's like a, a whole giant thing. Uh, I think there what is it five by five that network like super successful monetized been monetized for a decade early like you know are they like rich yeah the guy from like it, they've they've already successfully monetized tech podcasting like po- like comedy podcasting is its own different thing that started you know you had your guys in like oh four i think this i think um jesse thorne what's his show called um jesse thorne wasn't yeah he was on uh, mtv guy or no, am I crazy? No. <laughs> he's a radio guy, and they started podcasting his radio show, and he would have a bunch of comedians on. I used to call them like radio, internet radio shows, you know. So it's like it's like when indie rock used to be called like college rock or something. So uh, yeah, no, I'm so I so think old like m- mid two thousand, you had guys like Liam Lynch starting to do like way ahead of his time video podcasts and shit. So it was like mid two thousands they started coming out. The comedy boom happened, in my opinion, in t- two thousand ten and eleven. Um, and I think started with what I think would be like Corolla starting his own podcast and saying, fuck the radio, I'm starting this thing. And so I saw on like a MySpace blog, Dino was on this thing. So I downloaded it and it was the most like uncensored riveting. I learned more about Dino than I ever had. And I was just like, holy shit. And I looked at his back catalog and like Odenkirk was on there and he's like, Odenkirk at the last 10 seconds of his show is like, I'm going to be at the just for last festival. And that's how I found out about it. So I found out about two days before, and I drove down there, met Dino. He just randomly liked me, and then he took me backstage and took pictures with me and talked with me, and I said my goodbyes, and like an hour later, I went to the next show, and I was sitting out front by myself, and he walked by with his family, and he's like, 
hey, man, what are you doing down there? Come have dinner and drinks with us. And, Whoa. I, and I go in there, and I walk in, and then there's the table with Robert, Smigel, a bunch of SNL people, and then Bob and Bob's wife, Did Bob Odenkirk and David Cross. Shit your pants? <laughs> I walked in, and I was like, and Dino knew what he was doing, and the only chair available was like next to Bob. And so uh, I sat down, and then uh, I just was like, you know, I was nervous. I was like this kid. I was very fresh in the face. I was like 23. I looked like a 14-year-old taut Swedish kid. You know, I was like baby-faced. And Bob's like, who, who are you? And I'm like, I'm a fr- fan. And, a f- and Dino's like, he's a friend. He's a friend. So Dino How the- great is that, though, that Dino goes the extra mile? Like, I mean, it's a great... It's like saying, "Hey, this." It's like Goodfellas. He's one of us. He's an <laughs> incredible guy, and, he'd, and he then he was trying to hook me up with his cousin, so he's trying to get me laid and like <laughs> make me meet my his idols. He's like blowing my mind, and so I'm really getting along with him. And then I'm fucking hanging out and closing the bar with my heroes, you know. So it's like hanging out with the Beatles or something, you know. So um, as I'm leaving, you know, it's like, I'm like, do you know how we can keep in touch or whatever? And then the next year, I went to the same festival because I had, you know, so after Corolla, Scott Ackerman started doing his radio show on Indy 3 101 called Comedy Death Ray Radio. And um, they started podcasting it, and it was just, like, mind-blowingly so good. Uh, just, like, podcast content, like, all these amazing comedians. And um, it was really picking up speed. <clears throat> and I went there in 2010, the next year, to the same festival. And that's when I met a guy who was, me- who was pitching to Scott Ackerman this idea of doing a podcast. I was there that night and I met James and Domin for the first time. They're doing a live comedy death ray radio podcast. And this guy was trying to start this podcast network, became really good friends with them and then became a confidant and an intern. I did audio for them. And then I, from Wisconsin, this guy, Jeff Ulrich, who started Earwolf. And then, uh, so while I was in college, you know, I was doing all this like work for them and I was just getting more and more obsessed with podcasting. And uh, really building, like, guitar pedals and getting better into audio and editing audio and getting better at making music and stuff. And it never occurred to me that um, I would, like, you could do podcasting professionally, but there was this guy on Earwolf at the time. They would later name themselves Earwolf, who, uh, he was Engineer Doug. He was this hip-hop guy who did, who I would later replace, who did uh, Ackerman's show, and you, he was like they they would reference him, and then he was a hip hop guy, so he would put like rap beats, and like you could just feel his style on the show. And he was the first podcast producer in my eyes that was like a podcast producer. He like kind of to me defined what that might be. And so then um, they had a big falling out, which doesn't surprise me because we ended up having a big falling out. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the the night I met them in Chicago, they actually was the night they fired an engineer, their other engineer that Doug would replace. So. All the signs were pointing to like, oh yeah, these guys go through engineers quite a bit. Um, is, it, is there a thing with that that I would not understand? Like, oh, like, like it's if there's other frustrations. Oh, let's get rid of this guy. That'll fix it. Uh, cheap labor and underpaying uh, them, and then when they speak up, just drop them like a hat. <laughs> and I, it's like anything else in and Los for Angeles. For me, it was like you're working with all your heroes. What are you gonna do? That's that's what the thing that was held over my head when I was there. <laughs> um, so. I, I was there for the longest at that time, any engineer. I put in 10 months. Um, I did awesome stuff. All the hosts are great. Scott was always a gentleman to me. And, um, you know, I made uh, all this awesome stuff. And I really, you know, I was so involved in podcasting. And then my second week here, though, in L.A., I uh, was a big fan of this podcast called The the Lavender Hour, which is Duncan Trussell and Tasha Leggero. Terrible people. <laughs> and I went, my first week in L.A., went to uh, the Largo 
a Largo show and ran to Natasha. I'm like, do you still need help in your podcast? She's like, yes, please. And that Sunday, my second Sunday here. You were one of those people who have fucking luck, though. <clears throat> I, I have historically bad luck in every other area of my life. And then but for some like reason with comedians, it's weird. It's, it's weird. It's with comedians. I have there's some weird frequency. <laughs> it's like but that's it's amazing because I don't know. I'm having allergies, so it keeps sounding like I'm, I have like a coke up got coked up guy voice. <laughs> He's dying. <clears throat> God damn! But it's like, yeah, it's but it's that is you have bad life in other ways, but it's like or bad luck, but it's like it's amazing that you have this consistent good luck that Cur- leads cursed, you to where you are. <clears throat> cursed and blessed, and like so, I guess I should just say that like the reason I'm here is because I made friends with these guys at Earwolf, and then they're like, Doug quit, and they're like. I got a call on a Saturday. I had just graduated college after pretty much like six years of working for the money they do it, paying my entire way through it. And I had just gotten, I was the only person in five years to get a full-time job with benefits. I, the, the Friday before I left, I got a 20% raise. And like, he called me on a Saturday and he goes, my engineer quit. I've always wanted you to be my engineer, but I need to know by tomorrow or I'm going to start looking for somebody on Monday. It just so happened I was breaking up with my girlfriend in five years. I was about to sign a lease that Monday for a new apartment. Um, I had just graduated. I called both my parents, who won't be in the same room together, but never have agreed on the same thing. And they were like, you have to do this. You have to go. So in 10 days, I put all my stuff in storage. I came into L.A. with two two carry-on bags and started with nothing. I had had my grandpa's inheritance. He just passed away. I had 2,500 bucks. And then I started the I, I i got i landed at 9 p.m um jeff picked me up and played me a video on his phone as i'm getting out of lax and there's like taxi cabs hitting each other he hands me this iphone and it's zach alfanakis and scott ackerman like welcoming welcoming me to la because he was just really? at, yeah he was just at comedy death ray at ucb and it's like galifianakis is like we don't need any of your kind here let's turn around and go home he was like doing this bit and then he's like at the end of it he's like faggots <laughs> it was really funny that's crazy it was crazy so it's very trippy experience and then the next morning i held I, I took their cockroach infested old studio and i moved them up into the fifth floor and i built this their studio that they have now in their uh in their sunset area so uh i was just heavily involved in podcasting unwittingly like on accident like oh have been there during the boom, because like my second Saturday, Sunday here, I started doing the lavender hours on the side, but I, you know, I had to keep it secret because uh, they were very uptight about me do, doing other things and you know, very controlling of me there. And so um, then I started meeting Duncan and Tasha, and I started explaining like it's kind of like really intense over there, and they're like, you know, I was told that Earwolf like don't talk to comedians, be seen, not heard. At the Christmas party, you're allowed to talk to them. You're not allowed Whoa, to talk that's, to them. That's like, that's really weird. Yeah, and so, and then I told that to like Duncan and Tosh, and they just like laughed their asses off. And I was like, oh, comedians are like, just like Dino, like people you can ha- like hang out with and talk to. And I knew that. And so like that first night is when I recorded, I recorded Chelsea Pretty for the first time, who I now have a podcast with. So I met all these people like really quick and um, I just started working and like, I just love to work and I love doing it. And I really believe in the medium and then, all these stuff, all the stuff at Earwolves, like they were making such great content and all the greatest people coming through, but like how they were doing it was so unfair to the artist and it was so transparent. All the hosts did was just complain about it and go like, I'm, they're making money off this and they're not doing this or like, you know. Can, can I ask, and if you're uncomfortable answering it, we don't have to, but does Earwolf make profit and the people don't? 
Yeah, some of those shows, Earwolf keeps 95% of it. 95%? Of the, so when people think they're donating to a show, they're actually, the artist is seeing 5% of it, which is unfair to say, donate to your favorite show, and when they're actually seeing 5%. Because that, <clears throat> and they have some bigger shows, so it makes, I mean, I, well, that doesn't matter. But it's like, that's like old school, that's old school record company shit where exactly. they're like, fuck you, songwriter. And it's fine, <laughs> and I've said this on podcasts before, and this always stirs up shit when I start talking about it, but it's what happened, and it's true. And I could say a lot more. And no, those guys were never amicable with me to begin with. I they They let me go in this weird way. They came up with some excuse. They came up with some lie and presented it to Ackerman that wasn't true they and and then the Ackerman saw it and he, he he was like yeah let him go and it was like it was so dumb how they ended up doing it because did you ever cleared up with Ackerman no he, he, he I've worked he with him since he was on my a book my audio book I always I, I love him and cool up and like uh I, and like um I've always you know I'm wearing his face on my shirt right now <laughs> I uh, I uh I'm I, I always like he was one of my favorite podcasts and stuff and so i always have reverence for that always a classy guy it was so uh respectful to me and my my family and stuff it was just he's one of those guys that just doesn't want to be involved and didn't care he doesn't want to hear you know about your problems and i can respect that he's he's a businessman so um so uh yeah so we had this falling out and then i'll end my my, my spiel here but i uh the the next day uh I just didn't miss a beat, and I was talking to Duncan when it was all falling out, and I was like, well, let's maybe like a seminar. Like, um, I'll hook you up with like comedians, and you just show them like how to record themselves, what they need, and for like a nominal fee, you'll do it, and then you'll be 24-7 to troubleshoot it and whatever. And I was like, well, what if, like, you know, I had this idea of like if I did do it as a network and I ran it by him, he was like, you need to think if you're split or whatever. And, we, and he parked his Volvo outside of my old apartment where I would first record you. Yeah. And that's where we came in 30 minutes. We came up with the whole thing. That's funny. Me and Duncan. Duncan and I came up with a comedy show that we ran in that same Volvo. Yeah. So yeah. That was, and he would later give me that Volvo for free so I could continue working in here. That Volvo was magical. I ran it to the ground. It was amazing. So, you know, that's like, I haven't really talked about a, a lot of stuff I'm talking about because I, I don't want to sound like a broken record on podcast. So I'm 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 giving more of a juicier take into what <laughs> happened right now. Um, but you know, because now flash forward, uh, we 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 did Feral, and um, I'm going to separately talk about how we started this awesome podcast. But started in my little apartment on the fly, ended up in this awesome place with Puny. I ended up working with Dan Harmon, touring the country with him over his podcast, shooting a documentary which premieres at South by Southwest in a few weeks. Now I work at his production company under Dino and like, you know, I was just editing with Dino the other day and he just looked over my shoulder and he's like, you've come a long way since we first met. This is crazy. It's crazy. It's It's a great story too. It's trippy. And there's a lot more that's gone on between that. But it's, 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 it's in my opinion. And the reason that I like talking about it is because I, if anybody should be in jail or a drug addict or a nobody, I don't, not that I think I'm somebody, I just think I'm doing something, but like, there's no reason that my, my, my first girlfriend who I was with for five years, who I met in high school is in prison for robbing eight banks with her boyfriend <laughs> for heroin money who hung himself in jail before the trial. Like that's where I come from. And so like, it's crazy to me that when I started, I really started reading about like Buddhism and quantum physics. And, and um, when I really started acting in accordance with letting go and, and love and 
really being more self-aware of like, well, why am I angry or why do I hurt people or why am I doing this? I stopped, you know, and it really was one of my, my, without romanticizing it, my most altruistic, beautiful, my first best friend in the world died in a car accident a block away from her house in a drunk driving accident, 4.0, top of her class, was going to be like a medical student and save people's lives. And when I watched her, I saw her body, I was like, why is she gone and why am I here? And I, and people noticed, you know, immediately, like, I was like, if I'm going to, if I'm not going to kill myself, I'm going to do this. I better do something with my life. And um, it's not that I'm doing anything, you know, it's when Matt, Matt's always been too kind to me and too generous, but like hearing him say that like his podcast helps him and meeting fans, like it is self, you know, serving. I'm not making entertainment here. I'm not saving lives, but, um, I would disagree. It's this, (laughs) it's this, um, it's this art form that I'm very passionate about. I want to throw everything I have at it. It's at this point, I'm a little, it's a weird time to like talk about it because I'm, I've been doing it for almost three years and it's hard and I'm a little on the nihilistic side of like, (laughs) does this work? And it does work, but also like I've thrown everything I have at it and it was worth it. It became very hip on its own volition. It all started with like, you know, Duncan was like, here, I got this great idea for a podcast, this guy, Matt Dwyer, and I listened to you on a show and you were great and I'd never met you in person and then... You, before Feral Audio was even a thing, didn't know what it was or what it was going to be. You were one of the original podcasters. You, uh, I met you in my, at my door, and you brought over a hardcore bondage porn star to my apartment <laughs> who talked about peeing on her own face. And I was like, this is the type of shit I want to do. And also, your first podcast, you had this guy Shane Bugby on. And when I was in high school, I was obsessed with this art scene, um, Seconds Magazine and Exit, this guy, George Petros and Shane, and, and I was like a huge fan of those guys, so I was just like, holy shit. So your show, right off the bat, like I love comedy or whatever, but I also like underground art and you like this type of stuff that like America doesn't want you to see. And I think you were like, we have same, similar tastes like that, but you knew these guys and you have like this interesting you great taste in music and like, but you come from this awesome scene in Chicago with like comedians and bands and artists and like Chicago is my favorite city in the world. So like you grew up in like the era I covet like the most, which is probably like, you know, eighties, nineties, Chicago. Uh, so I think we had that sensibility off the bat and like, um, started just doing it. And you were, you were one of these guys who were like, I want to learn how to do it myself. What do I need? And you got the Zoom, and you figured it out, like, in no time. And we would do a few more recordings with, like, <laughs> at my place. But then you just started, you know, you were just, like... Also, I'm one of the... I'm, like, one of these people that I, I take on too much, so I'm not always available. And so you didn't wait around for me. You are just, like, I want to do this all the time. And that was really inspiring, because it was, like, yes, that's kind of actually the idea of Feral, was, like, I didn't think I'd have to do everybody's show full-time. I love doing them. I want to do all of them all the time. I got to be a human being, though, and be like, oh, I have to sleep. <laughs> um, <laughs> Which you, I, I, and I would tell you, because you, you would apologize, be like, oh, I'm going to be late. I'm like, yeah, okay, sleep. Yes, you should sleep. <laughs> it's not that important for me to get my show out there. Well, it's, I don't know. I'm it's so it, stuffy right now. Do you need to take a break? No, no I'll, okay. I'll suffer. Well, anyway, I've, I'm, I'm jawing on, but like, so we started this like little punk rock, in my eyes, like this little punk rock, podcast collective and it's really um now we've partnered with itunes and i think that we're we're you know i didn't have an agenda with this i didn't think it would last a month or a year and now we're entering two years so i never was like i'm not doing this to be rich or to be like 
I'm not trying to be ir- I was just like I just want to do it and I, I I was just experimenting with my life and doing the like poor artist thing and um but it's but people came out of people have been very supportive I would say too. amazing uh beyond supportive like they kept us going every artists the people out there like people just get it and like just throwing everything I have at it and there was a time in college with my ex-girlfriend and I sat up in bed after I had met those guys the podcast guys uh in Chicago and I was like I really want to do audio, but I work really well with comedians, and I don't know what where that meets. But I think when I graduate, I want to move to Chicago and, and do comedy or something somehow. Because I don't want to, I like make like pr- produce comedy. Like I don't, I have no desire to go on stage. And I think like I've been told this, but since I don't want to write or be a stand up when I and I I'm, I know everybody's work, so when I step to them, it's kind of like I have this thing I can do. But also, I'm just like super. I think more sentimental than I am. I'm not trying to get anything out of it. I just like doing this stuff. Yeah, but that's <clears throat> that's something I wanted to talk to you about too, because you're the way you run Feral is selfless, almost to a fault. <clears throat> because I feel like you take the the way the money's laid out. I'm like, like I think comedians. Are, we work for free all the time. Anyway, that's why I did it. I know, but if you were like, hey, fifty fifty or forty fifty, I'd be like, I won't even think about it because the joy I got from doing podcasts right away was like the joy that I hadn't had in a long time performing, where I was like, uh, I'd lost my excitement for performing, and I just was like, oh, what the fuck am I doing? So when this came along, it was more like. And discovering, like, oh, here's a way to be creative again, and not, it didn't fucking matter if I got money or not. Well, it was just fun, and it, like, I yeah. felt great. Well, here's the thing um, you don't need a network or me. That's, Feral Audio is a satire. I started it not out of spite or not as, it wasn't to compete with Earwolf or whatever. I believed in the model we came up with. But I thought to me, I knew starting it that podcast networks do not work. They don't work. Um, the idea of like being under one umbrella and having similar aesthetics and curating it and like that, that stuff all works. The stuff that works, works. The stuff that where it's like when you have a brand, that's why you have a record label. That stuff works. But like comedians, when I was starting to get to know them, don't get fucking paid for sets in LA because it's a industry town where you could be seen or whatever so historically like there's you know i've heard stories about like when there was like a strike at the comedy store is that what it is we're probably sure yeah. and the guy jumped off the roof there was a strike when they, they were just trying to get paid like 25 50 bucks a set and like Polly shore standing on the rooftop pissing on people's heads while they're trying to that. yeah that's an inside story <laughs> but like um but like they don't even get paid for their sets. So, like, my dream for Feral, which a lot of stuff I dreamed failed, I wanted to be able to pay guests for appearances. I wanted hosts to have a budget from their donations or either I would hand it over and say, here's some petty cash, pay your... Like, I still want to get there someday where we're all making enough money where a, somebody can do a podcast and as make as much as if they did a stand-up set. 15, 25, 50 bucks or whatever. You know that that's something that's still lost upon us because it's su- a podcasting's a super hard thing to break into, and it's not. Why is it hard to break in? It's um, it's such a new medium, and like right now, there's like everybody's doing cool shit, and I tend to think Nerdist is doing really, really well, and they're also very 
corporate but very cool and artistic and are doing it very well the guys who are running the networks right now the network boom are a, a bit older than me and they're all business guys so like we still need a business person I, I get it but i think they're too ruled by their business end of it and so i was like let's liberate by like no contracts no holding back none of that stuff like let's just make the shit and um do it as quick and as high quality as possible and like i just wanted it to look clean and look cool and sound good and throw everything i had at it and be like you know i think this is how it should be done if at all and if i'm not the guy who figures it out there's probably some 15 year old kid out there that's gonna see it and come out here and do it right and maybe i'll have the satisfaction of him shaking my hand one day (laughs) But people say to me like they're like, "Oh, you're unfair." Like it's not like it's that's crazy. Yeah, it's it became a thing, and it became you know it just was real. All the artists, you, Duncan, um, even people who weren't unfair, talking talking it up, and and it, it's not fair to. It's easy when you're. It's everybody. There's no pie to grab though. It's it's this whole like there's just going to be this thing that. And you're there's. The whole idea of like networks like competing is so uh, transparently like in a few years we're all going to get absorbed into something like some technological device something is going to just be the thing that brings us to the next level and we're all going to like look around and like laugh at like oh remember when we were competing <laughs> so in my mind I wasn't competing but I was I'm a huge threat those guys don't I still don't get Farrell still doesn't get you know. Uh, put in the dialogue and like uh when those networks do like this new documentary they're trying to do um didn't ask feral when they do their like um podcast festivals don't reach out to me don't ask feral to do stuff why do you think that is because you have you have people like steve ag and chelsea peretti we have the by its own i made sure if i was going to do this i was going to make the best podcast collective we have in my opinion if i wasn't doing this and i was an outsider i think we have the best shows across the board of course i'm probably have to believe that and i i I don't care how it comes off but like i I made damn sure that now i think that other other networks have shows that like blow our shows away hands down like um but as across the board we have i think consistently like the best stuff um maybe i have to feel that way because it's mine um it's a pretty wild like you look at the people the shows and you're like holy shit like it's it's not- I'm very fortunate, yeah. I've worked with the greatest people. And, like, the cool thing about Feral is every single person, every volunteer, the, like, uh, everybody who chips in, every artist, are all people I love and adore and want to work with and are are um, cool and get it. And there's no, there's no, like, weight on any side of it. It's evenly distributed. Everybody, everybody who's here gets it. Like, Chelsea Peretti... Did, you know, just to get in the phone with her, I had to talk to her lawyer and her manager, and she was shopping around at Earwolf and Nerdist, and she chose us. And at the end of the day, it was like, we have no contracts. If you don't like it, you can just, you know, take your show. Or Everybody has the freedom to leave. Nobody has yet. And, um, you know, she told me, she's like, I would rather be, you know, in a hot, sweaty studio, an apartment doing it. I think you guys are like the spirit of the internet. I think this is, you know... This is the, I think it's open source. Like the thing that I feel that Feral Audio was supposed to be a lot more open source than it is. I'd actually like to get a, a certification of, on the open source uh, initiative, which is like you could take our entire website, copy it, and just 
put your own stuff in. I want to make the website basically so anybody could just take the frame of it and then start their own thing by just dropping their own stuff in and just like set it up so it's easy for people. Where like most people would guard that and like keep that secret. My dream is to just go like our strength is by <laughs> lifting each other up. Our strength is by helping each other out, sharing resources, you know, and I'm from Madison where there's like cooperative grocery stores and housing and I worked at a community radio station and I've probably not I think I, I I've said this before and it was like you're a total capitalist. I probably am not the biggest capitalist in the world <laughs> to my own disadvantage. Um, but like Farrell to me represents because I'm jerking off into this microphone about it. Feral to me represented just like the butterfly effect of like what's really happening is like there's um, a bunch of creatives out here. There's a, in, there's a town where everybody's, it's a rat race town where everybody's made to compete against each other and they go down these beaten paths and this is how you audition. This is how you get a TV show. This is how you do, this is where you go to stand up here and then podcasting is happening and it's bigger than in like the internet multiplied by Los Angeles to me is kind of like Brooklyn in the sixties right now. It's a very cool scene. It feels like I'm out of my mind today. I'm sorry. I'm a <laughs> maniac today. I did. Th- I was like totally enthralled. I wasn't like, this guy's crazy. I was like, uh, I'm out of my mind. I'm losing it. You guys. I'm mentally Why Ill. are you losing it? I'm, I don't know. Uh, but I, 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 it's so pretentious. This all, whole thing. But I, do, I don't think it's a pretentious. Okay. I don't think a lot of people know the, uh, know the podcast world. It's a, it's a really hip scene and there's shit that is, being achieved in podcasting that like rock bands don't get to rock bands don't get to um say the shit you can say in a podcast uh tv shows don't radio doesn't your city council definitely won't say this shit like like there's stuff in milliseconds when i put a new podcast up i immediately check the numbers and with before like one second at least six to 15 people will have it really it's crazy Will or at least start downloading it, have initiated it. Um, you can just broadcast, and it won't last long. And trust me, this is like a short-lived thing. And I think the stuff Podcasting we're doing, is? the way it is right now, for sure. Uh, the bigger they try to, the bigger all these networks try to move towards like business and monetizing it and making TV shows and bringing the bigger, you know, because I'm working with a major, uh, you know, uh, network right now on some stuff and they're very interested in podcasting and um people are starting to turn their ears up to it because the audience is so uh growing and expansive it's still there's like there's a cap on it it's it's it drives it, me nuts though because people are like getting a tv show legitimizes i sound up so stuff yeah man it's absurd <laughs> i'm having really bad allergies is it me no are you allergic to cats no, it's been going on for months. Have you, what do you weeks. take, like medicine wise? All kinds of stuff, man. It's like now it's like cartoony, yeah, nerd yeah. days. <laughs> you need a drip, uh, but but like be, be, somebody said to me, like, oh, if you found another hook to your show, you could probably get a TV deal. And I'm like, that's not why I fucking do this, like at all. I God, it's weird. Um, a couple of our shows right now are. Tentatively, are getting TV show offers, which I think is awesome. I mean, it's um, great, but no, it's also it, it's not what legitimizes. Yeah, it. I mean, your entire thing from the beginning was they wanted to make TV shows, which is fucking awesome because they make 
great TV shows and they have the means. So they're a TV network now, but they, from the beginning, podcasting is not, they wanted to make TV shows and they want to do this. I believe podcasting is the next big thing. And, you know, Nerdist is multiple things. It's it's it, they have the, they have the, their YouTube channel is amazing and they're doing but like and I, we want to do video podcasting and yes the video element all that stuff will come and is in our discussions and in our brains about it but um to me the the thing the big thing right now the next big thing the thing that's happening call it podcasting or whatever this like pirate the ability to anybody to broadcast themselves and to basically be a radio station on a dime is the most like exciting thing ever. It's also a drop in the ocean in the internet. So I want to make stuff that's like really it's quality or it's like has some weight to it or substance. And I think your show has the most weight and is more in line with what I wanted Farrell to be, which is like off the beaten path a bit. You know, when I say it was a satire, it really was like I started at knowing that like I don't I, I I didn't like podcast networks. The thing I like about them is what we're doing. It's like a band of of people under one umbrella where it's curated, so you can like they all support each other. So by saying you know sharing audiences and being each other's shows and dropping each other's shows, it just you can then go like hey, because like fifty thousand people listen to Harmontown and fifty thousand people start coming over to Dwyer's show. That's those numbers are just doubled because they don't doesn't matter. It's the same people. It's it's the same audience. It's more for what advertisers or or whatever you want to drop in there, you know. And so it's like um, podcasting to me is like really stealing back and more American and more uh, how this country is like supposed to the groundwork or something is supposed to be done. And it's going to like be stepped on eventually, and they're going to put, you know. Yeah, I was going to ask that. Is it is the monetizing going to ruin it? No, mon- advertising works. Advertising is great. Dumb advertisements suck. That's why <laughs> you don't watch the Super Bowl. That advertising is dumb and safe. Like when I used to work at McDonald's, their fucking advertisements are scary. A bunch of really rich, wealthy white people. And when you watch a McDonald's advertisement, it's so clean and soft-focused, and there's such multiracial stuff where they write in a script somewhere, we need a person of mixed Asian and black race sitting here. They're so hyper-aware of ethnicity. It's evil, man. It's not natural or real. So, like, a good advertisement, when it's done properly, is like a good comedy sketch. It fucking stands out, and it's good. Advertising works. Advertising is the reason radio gets me advertising works and advertising is not the problem it's just you know uh people who exploit people is the problem and that can people who exploit people are on every level like trust me about that even at podcasting where there's no (laughs) money there's tons of vicious exploiting and fighting and all that shit um but uh but yeah my strength with doing that split where i don't think it's unfair to me at all my job was to make all these awesome shows that are as big as my biggest show. And um, I get a kickback and my people get a kickback from that. My job is to make it that big. You're that's the truth is none of these people need me. They could all do this on their own. So why not make it I c- easier? I could, but I could, I could, I mean, I could put up, I could put up as, a shitty show. You couldn't that- do it as good as we do it. Cause it's a collaboration. And at this point I know what I'm doing through sheer fear and trial and error and fucking and not being afraid to fuck it up and making tons of mistakes and 
boot camping it and sitting in my apartment and just honing it and, and throwing everything I had at it. We can turn around a podcast really quick now. We have, you know, it's not just a system. It's like we've we've got it like, you know, Dwyer just does these little gorilla recordings. It's a great interviewer. He gets the, he gets the content and he sends it my way. We can turn it around like really quick. Uh, we can package it really quick. We can send it out really quick. So you could feasibly do all that. You could for, you know, you know how to record. You have a you have a MacBook right there. You could you don't need me to do anything. So I, it's I'm a it's a luxury to have you as a part of my it's a privilege in an honor. I feel a, I feel, where, I feel the opposite because I'm like I would I'm technically an idiot. You showed me how to use this. <laughs> I still wouldn't know how to like filter it or any of that stuff. A lot of people aren't technologically inclined, but it's so intuitive. Like, but yeah, I have a knack for that stuff. So that's where yeah, that's where the collaborate. That's why you need other people. Like that's why you prop people up. And there's this great quote from I mean, Harold Ramis that I read today, who just passed. Who his whole like you know I'm gonna paraphrase it, but he came from Second City and he's talking about yes ending people and his job he was like to, was to you know make people around him look good and he goes form alliances because you know at the end of it you never know like your friend is gonna you're gonna be sitting across from me he's gonna be ma- a movie exec you know so it's like it's totally true and the day I came and I started at Earwolf this intern that they fired we were spent the first day in our uh, for our first days in L A together squashing cockroaches in their old studio. <laughs> And uh, getting co- he's now like in a, in a major player at Sony. <laughs> like shit happens. Like you just work hard. It's just like you never know. It's like why come out here with the attitude of like, you know? I think that's what the problem with TV networks are, which podcast guys are adopting because they're business guys, where they think that artists need to be tamed or something, or that they're not responsible, or that they're or that like they're fucking working for them. Fuck that! They're you're, it's not. I'm not your boss. Like we're to collaborate. We're making an art project together. It's like they think they're they think you fucking work for them. It's gross. Like it's it like it's disgusting. It is. It's amazing. And uh, what you said tamed too because they're like oh yeah you're you yeah got- you're you're a bunch of babies wandering in the woods and we're we're like you're all wearing diapers. It's like fuck that. You're smarter than them. You create stuff with substance and also it takes like so much longer for a comedian or an artist to get good at their craft than it does for a business person to stumble into <laughs> fucking money by betting on a horse race, which is all they do anyway. But no, there's great business people. I, I don't understand it. And like, this is my fault. Like I'm too, I've been accused of being too much of a creative and not having the business sense, but that's what I wanted to learn. Like I didn't get my bachelor's degree. I came out to LA and like, I'm learning this shit. And like the past two months, Feral Audio has for the, uh, volunteers and myself across the board actually made more money than we've ever made really in uh the last two months yeah it's so you know i get in my head and i'm like shows are getting harder to make everybody's on tv tv shows now people are losing steam am i doing a bad job at keeping people inspired am i becoming jaded i know i am am i not you know am i am i uh too unavailable am i what am i am i you know like uh, i'm in my head i'm like does this work anymore can I keep doing it the way I'm doing it? And then on paper, numbers wise, we've a year ago, I think I had a total of like three million downloads across the board, and now we're what at fourteen million? Really? Everybody's I have no idea what's it up. Really picking up steam. And so yeah, it's podcasting is this really interesting thing to have now, crazily, five years have been involved in on accident. 
I just, you know, I stumbled into it. Um, and now it's like what I do. I've done it professionally for two and a half years now. It's crazy. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a wild experiment and I, I've got to watch it happen. <laughs> it's just no, it's bizarre. amazing. And, and two, it's like, Oh, people, you were like, you said like, Oh, people are getting TV shows. It's like, yeah, but this is something you could return to and you could just be like, it's free. Like this, that's the first thing I noticed. It's like I could do whatever the fuck I want. That's what radio and TV was supposed to be. And when it came out, it, it got hijacked by interest and greed. But like it was supposed to be information. There's this great speech that's I've been trying to find. But the guy who invented NBC, he gave it like the world's no no, no not the world's he gave it like Coney Island. Or I, I I'm gonna butcher it, but uh, he gave this great speech when they launched NBC about. Now, like, artists will have the ability to put their art out there. And, and, you know, he had this envisionment that kids wouldn't even have to go to school. They would just sit in front of the TV and get all their information from it. And, like, in a real honest way, he thought it was he thought it was this great tool. Like, look what capitalism did to it. Um, but, I don't know why you can't find that speech. <laughs> <laughs> it got scrubbed out. No, I've, I've, I've seen it on uh, online before. But, um, but, yeah, you know, when I was in college, it was like... Uh, I um the the Conan O'Brien Tonight Show thing happened and I was a as long as long as I was a Mr. Show fan like ten or eleven years I used to hide a little black and white CR, CRT TV in my closet at night and when my parents went to bed crawl in there and watch Conan at like because it was on like one in the morning and be tired every day for school I was obsessed obsessed with it um so um Conan on the Tonight Show those last two weeks you know was like just ripped a tear in my opinion like pop culture and, and me personally because it's like bawling my eyes out watching him but when he looked into the camera and he said if you work hard and you're kind amazing things will happen to you i promise i started crying my eyes out and it's been my model this whole time barrel audio my entire time at la is predicated on that when that happened i it, it it's it's this weird thing coming together. So I I, I sound crazy right now because I probably no, am. That, but. That's a great, uh, but that's uh, I don't think you sound crazy. <laughs> <laughs> but okay, so do you have an end all goal for Feral Audio, or is it just like I do now? What do you want to say? That uh, you survive, <laughs> keep oh, it going. I love it. I yeah, want to do it forever until I until I'm dead or too or incapable or somebody can take. I want it to. After I die, continue. That's my goal. So if some guy was like, hey, here's $80 million. Depends on the guy. I don't think that's the case. <laughs> I've uh, I've had that three times I've had that opportunity. Really? I, we could have been a part of Nerdist at one point. That was an opportunity. Uh, I really the first them. show they would have said no. I really like <laughs> them. Um, I love Nerdist, and we work very closely with them at their theater. And they're doing, in my opinion, as far as podcast networks go, they're doing everything right. Um uh, a couple of other opportunities have happened, and yes, I've said no, but we have this partnership now with Starburns Industries, which is Dan Harmon's company, who are letting us use their gorgeous studio uh, and are funding it and doing it. Harmon likes the idea of a handshake deal. He's been a great investor in it. He's kept me alive for a year and a half now. He's kept it going. It would be no feral if it wasn't for Dan Harmon at this point. Um, and all these people. I, it, it, there, it might be in some shape or form, but not at the extent it's at now. Um, as far as my employment, my, my ability to f- eat food and live. But um, he really, I think, envisions it, you know. The, he, I think he's, he sees it for what it is and thinks that 
you know, it can work. I somebody used to work closely with said it would never work. That um, they quoted this. I guess Matt Groening from The Simpsons has this manifesto about you can be an artist and a capitalist at the same time. And I am a capitalist, and I do. I I believe in like real American folk. Buy your bootstraps. I came to LA and like you can still like come here and do it your own way. It's still a po- it's, there's still an America here. <laughs> And it just sucks that like all of our jobs now are like entertainment and customer service or retail or something. But um, I don't know. I'm uh, it's an interesting time to talk about podcasting with me because I'm so I love it so much and I've like thrown everything I had at it. I'm just getting older with it and I'm and I'm getting more frustrated with myself and the medium and because uh, I think it should it's so pure to me and so I'm getting more I think defensive over it <laughs> in some weird way i'm pre- i'm becoming more protective of it because i think at some point we're gonna have to fight for the right to podcast because my friend umahan is in turkey right now and she's on instagram probably right now she was in a couple hours ago instagramming their occupy protest she's getting pepper sprayed and um i she, turkey by the way uh, is a fucking cool as shit. They're like super westernized. I really want to go Istanbul and visit. Um, I have a couple of friends out there, and they're they're over, the students right now are overthrowing their government, and it's hush hush. Like it's been going on for years, but the students right now are rivaling the police and pushing the police out of the cities and the campuses. Real wild stuff. And I'm she started listening to through her work internet, which is allowed to get like our internet. Um, because they they block internet stuff there. Started listening to feral audio shit. Listened to your show, a couple of other ones, and she's like, "Wow, they could never do this in Turkey. It would be illegal." That stuff you talk about gays and women's sexuality, and I realized how, f- in, in that moment, how important it is, and how we take it for granted that we're able to do this at such the scale and say whatever we want. Um, it's it's and your show is like we've done some really dangerous shit on your show. <laughs> I've had some nervous moments. You have. I'm not taking credit for it. But you're doing, like, some real reporting or, like, really putting stuff out there. I've been so proud of you. And, like, you, of all of my hosts, have been the most inspiring and, like, picked it up. And, like, I think you missed one week recently. And it was, like, no no one has the ethic or the desire. Like, and you've always been so vocal about your support of it. I just really, really appreciate it. Well, um, it's because it took me out of a huge depression. <laughs> yeah. So, what's so? What's your like? I you've, you always say that, but I like. Where were you? Were you on drugs and alcohol back then, or do you, you drink? No, now? I wasn't. No, I drink now. I don't. No, I was just co- career confused. I was right. just like, I, I don't like doing stand up that much, even though I'm on a tour. <laughs> and uh, God, I can't believe how stuffy I am. Uh, I just was like, I, I was like, I don't know what the fuck the next step is in my career. I'm like, do I? I didn't know. I was just like, everything sort of seemed to come to some sort of end where it was like, and this came all, uh, Duncan Trussell was like, you need to do a podcast again. And I was like, all right. And this is, format is something I've always wanted to do where it isn't like, it's just like, I'm going to fucking talk to people. I don't give a fuck who it is. I don't need a through line, just that people will be interesting. And then it took a couple different political turns and various other things. But well, yeah, you've been experimenting with it, and also Duncan's the guy quietly. You know, he's like a lot of you know 
like he told Howard Kramer to do a podcast, which became Who Charted. Um, their first wow. their first guest was Chris Hardwick on the Lavender Hour, and Chris was like, "What is this? What's a podcast? Are you fucking kidding that's me? A, listen to it. You can listen." He goes, "What is this?" Wow, that's Duncan crazy. Duncan mentored me and got me really into it. And Duncan Duncan's quietly he'll never own up to it. He's he's uh the guy proliferating a lot of the scene right now in in quiet subtle ways in supportive loving ways and in and with spreading information and and just explaining to people what it is right now we're working on a spirituality podcast network with our friends uh, ragu marcus and ramdas and we've been working with them and it's going to be a sort of an arm of feral and we're going to be working with them so there's like a we're working with this you know spirituality movement we're trying to get that off the ground like these cool guys like that's crazy yeah and duncan's just instrumental in that hooked me up with those guys i've been working on ramdas's podcast uh and podcasting by the way is the reason duncan met ramdas yeah yeah it's like weird and it's like i've met like incredibly great people it's It's like it's it's crazy excuse to hang out with people and meet with people it really it's such a good excuse because it's like we've been trying to meet up forever now but it's like i feel like you know we're doing a podcast we're like we're getting something done (laughs) it has to be we can't we can't just hang i i wanted i don't know i i knew i was in a mood this week but i've I've talked loads of shit on this but i i uh i really think it's like if anybody out there is interested in getting into podcasting just do it i want to like see the like you have blogs about that too. How to get started, right? Yeah, I, I, we in the we we have a zine that unfortunately the company went under, but that was going to be my part of the zine. But I want to be more. I basically I think what I'm writing right now. I don't know if it's going to be a PDF or what, but it's basically just like, and it's you know like it's just here's how to do it. Here's my pitch. Here's what I tell everybody. It's for anybody. If you want to read it, just do it. Um, it's worth it. It's cool. And like, I'd love to see a scene in Chicago start up. and I'd love to see, cause you know, a lot of this is happening in LA. Like all the podcast networks, the big ones that you can think of are t- two to five miles apart from each other. Like our studio now is like a mile from Nerdist's headquarters. And, um, but like we're starting to do more stuff out of New York. I'd love to see all these major cities having their own. I want it to be like, you know, my idea of how Feral's going to expand is like, I'd love for it to be more like, and this has been an idea from the beginning. I don't know if it's a map, but it's like, you know, it's like bands or like a label or it's like, it's like there's feral LA and there's feral Chicago and New York. And it gets more like localized. Cause I think that's something that's like lost on it is how important it is to have community based broadcasting and transmission and how your reality, like your proximity the effect you can have in your city council or like where you're at is profound and we're made to feel small. Cause you know, you're not going to touch the federal government. They're big time gangsters. <laughs> we're, we're fucked forever. Or we're, we're you kind of on a doomsday march towards that. But little things you can do is like, we don't need the federal government. Cause like what happened, like the States take over. So like when I worked at WRT, the community radio station, they were regulated by the FCC still and stuff, but they were like doing cool music and programs and you could get ideas out there and, and NPR is obviously awesome and um, publicly funded and like broadcasting and communication. All we have is even in this country, the like last vestige of freedom we have is, is the community is our communication and it's dwindling 
and it's 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 me taking podcasting too seriously which is going to be like <laughs> what i'm known for taking this silly thing that nobody really wants to do <laughs> that is like pulling teeth sometimes to get done like way too seriously i just think it's really interesting to me and i think it'd be super cool if i heard about a bunch of fucking teenagers that were like podcasting in their like high school or something and all all the students in the high school were like hearing this shit and they like you know i i, I think there's think there's think modular i think it might be happening i think there's Probably. modular things you can do with podcasting that's not so what we're doing which is so wide i think that there's things you can do with podcasting that are really like locate like you you could really unify groups of people in a in a proximity really fast because like when shit goes down i think podcasting could be like a major source of uh information like if something like really big happened and like communications were cut off and we were able to like access like internet channels and we could you could do a little news broadcast well here's what's happening in la uh it fucking blew up the freeway. Was, uh, this is like doomsday shit. <laughs> like, We're not planning on that. No, no, no. <laughs> I'm just saying. But like podcasting could be a, a tool that's like it's a perfect tool for entertainment. Also, it's great. To, it's a great stress reliever. And it's just like I've learned so much. I'm an audio learner, I think. But like I've learned so much. And my mind has just been expanded from working in podcasts, listening to them and being like a part of them. I think it's just great for our I think it's great for the, uh, uh, fuck. I think it's just great for our species. <laughs> <I'm> s- <laughs> I can't help but sound like an asshole. You know, what? I'm. I wanted to today. That's that was my goal today. Was kind of to sound like an asshole a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> would uh, then I would be an asshole if I said you succeeded. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> but we should uh, wind it up. I would say where could they find you, but. Uh, I'm on, They're listening I'm, to it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Feral, Feral Audio. I'm Dustin Martian on Twitter and Instagram. And um, but like, if you really want to like keep listening to the show, um, I, all the shows on Feral. All the shows on Feral. I think this show is really, really important, and um, you'll you're gonna get more um substance out of this show than I I, I think a lot of us are. I think a lot of us go deep on other shows but this show i think dwyer is doing something really profound and cool and i've always really respected it and been proud to have him aboard and as a friend and um, also the most likable human being in la everybody <laughs> knows who you are and loves you like when your name comes up and people just come to me like you know matt dwyer like it happens really? all the time dude I'm such a recluse weirdo you are <laughs> quietly the most liked man in los angeles you really are i swear to god that's so weird. <laughs> I barely leave my apartment. <laughs> Good for you. That's the way to do it. If you can swing that, just podcast all day and never leave. I would be thrilled with that. Well, all right. Well, I'm sorry for hijacking your show, but thanks you for did. having me. That's on. exactly what I like. Perfect. Thank you. All right. Thanks, Ben. Thank you very much for listening to the show. If uh, you enjoyed it, do me a favor. Support us at Feral Audio. Uh, go to my page there at Feral Audio, and uh, you could donate some money. That would really, really, really help us out a lot. If you can't afford to donate some money, uh, go to the Amazon link, go through that, buy some stuff, say on, uh, you know, buy yourself some movies or some shoes. But uh, we get a kickback of that money that helps us out. Follow me on Twitter, Matt underscore Dwyer at Twitter.com. And um, 
support all the shows in Feral Audio. I think we talked about that a lot today, but actually go out there and do it. Thank you. God bless. Everyone loves you. National Security Agency to assess and flag citizens of the country who may present a threat to its security. The NSA has clearance to wiretap by any means necessary. Tapped. Incidental recordings of private conversations from the files of the NSA. Now on feralaudio.com.